Well, next, next Wednesday is uh, Valentine's Day. Nothing says I love you like some ash on your forehead, right? <laughs> so you can get your ash in church next Wednesday. Uh, yeah, so we'll celebrate love and marriage and dating and relationships. And uh, Ash Wednesday uh, basically says that uh, from dust you came and dust you will return, that you're going to die and nothing can kill you quite like marriage, right? Amen. All right, so you can go have a little Valentine's Day fun after church with some Ash on your forehead. Uh, Ash Wednesday is a tradition that the church has been a part of uh, for more than a thousand years. And it goes back a long way. And it's uh, to really remind us that we need to turn away from our own way of doing things. Uh, That we've got a way of living life where it's just a, a bent will away from God. And it's really this idea of turning back to the way God ordered things to be. Uh, And it's it's a service about repentance, and it's a service about remembering our own mortality, the fact that one day we're all going to die, that life is a gift, and it does come with an expiration date. And uh, it kind of brings us some sobriety and seriousness into our lives. So we'll do that, and uh, we'll finish off that service with ashes that are from last year's palm branches. It's a really... Uh, neat service. We hope you're able to join us for that. And then that kicks off the season of Lent. Uh, So we'll be doing Lent here at Celebration Church. And what we're going to do is a six-week series that we're calling Making Room for God. And uh, we're encouraging you to come on out. And those services are going to be great. We're going to have those at all of our campuses. So we really hope you're able to join us. And it's going to be just a little bit different. So for our Wednesday night Bible studies during those six weeks of Lent, we're going to start off with about a 15 to 20 minute Bible study. And there's going to be some great topics. We're going to cover things like fasting. Uh, We're going to go through uh, different disciplines, uh, Christian disciplines. Uh, One of them is called engagement disciplines. These are disciplines like study, service, prayer, things where you're really engaging in your faith. And then we're also going to go through uh, different fruit expressions, those types of disciplines, things like kindness, things like patience, uh, loving on people in our world and uh, in our lives, things like that. We'll go through repentance. We'll talk about hope. It's this idea that God's got much more for you than what you're currently experiencing in your life, that we can have great hope. So we're going to be doing that. And then the very final week, that sixth week, will also be a baptism service. So if you're at any one of our campuses and you've not been baptized, we'd encourage you to sign up for that. Uh, You can just contact the church. We'll make sure that you can participate and we'll have a class that you can go through. So we'd love to connect you with that baptism service. And they're going to be great studies. So it'll be about 15 to 20 minutes doing those studies. And then after we're completed with that, we're going to have a small group discussion. So what we'll have set up at all of our campuses are tables. So we'll break into groups of about eight at a table and we'll have discussion leaders at all those tables and we'll have a little discussion about that evening study. And then what we're encouraging you to do on Wednesdays during Lent is to fast. And you'll be hearing more about fasting. That'll be part of our Ash Wednesday service. You'll hear about fasting, but we'd encourage you at least on Wednesdays to maybe consider joining us in fasting if it's something that you're able to do. And, uh, and you can fast with us. And then we're going to break that fast that evening after we have our little small group discussion. We're going to have soup and bread. And so uh, at 
at all of our campuses, and it's just kind of a chance for us all to get together as a church, break some bread together, eat some soup, and uh, have some fellowship doing that. So uh, we would like it if you can sign up. So what we're asking people to do is to sign up to bring soup, sign up for the cleanup crew and that sort of thing. So if that is you and you'd like to help us out, there's sign-ups available at all of our campuses, and uh, you can stop out in the lobbies or ask your campus pastor where that sign-up is, and we'd love to get you connected so you could bring some soup with us on that evening. That would be very much appreciated. Uh, Next thing is uh, Pastor Mark. I know a lot of people have been asking how Pastor Mark is doing, and from what I can gather, he's doing pretty well. You know, it's not easy going through what he's gone through, and, uh, but he's doing well, and actually today he landed in Israel, so he's there with a big group of uh, pastors, he's traveling with them, uh, going through Israel, so pretty cool, he's out doing that, and so this Sunday, our message will be from Israel, so that's pretty cool, huh? So Pastor Mark will be delivering it from there if all the technology and all that stuff works, and sometimes it doesn't. So the plan is for Pastor Mark, uh, his first Sunday back after we gave him some time off in January that he'll be joining us from Israel. So that'd be a lot of fun. So we hope you're able to join us Sunday. And if he's not there, we'll have some great preaching anyhow. Have you guys enjoyed the pastors we've had over the past several weeks? You guys enjoyed that? Good to hear. All right, well, tonight, our Bible study, uh, I've got a title for the message, and it's Don't Be a Stupid Carpenter. All right? Don't be a stupid carpenter. It'll make sense right when we get to the very last part of the message. All right, so in January, uh, here at Celebration Church, we entered into a season called 21 Days of Prayer. Uh, A lot of you participated with that at all of our campuses, and we started off our year with the idea of what would our lives look like if we put God first. So we talked about the idea of prayer, that if you're going to put God first in your life, you've got to build a discipline of prayer. So we said, what would your life look like if you would pray first? Uh, Before you get started in your day, what if you would pray first? What if before you eat a meal, you would pray first? What if before you send your kids off to school, you pray first? What if before you have a meeting and people are coming into your office and you got the opportunity to close a deal? What if you would just shut the door real quick and just pray first? What would our lives look like? And so we started 21 Days of Prayer. A lot of you joined with us with prayer. Many of you joined with us with fasting where we said, let's start off our days by praying first. Let's start off our year by praying first. And it was an awesome time. Time. Did anyone join with us? Did you enjoy it? It was wonderful. A lot of hands, a lot of people joined with us, and uh, hopefully you're just sticking with that habit and, uh, and praying. I know I have, and it's really been uh, a wonderful time, and hopefully you're able to join with that. So I kind of wanted to just continue on in that vein as we kick off this year with putting God first. And so we talked about prayer tonight, I wanna, which is really us talking to God right, is one of the primary functions of prayer, is us talking to God. Tonight, I want to talk about God talking to us, so I want to talk about reading the Bible, because one of the primary ways that God speaks to you is through his word, so tonight we'll talk about that. Uh, I want to start off by taking a look at John chapter 1 and verse 1. It almost kind of reads like Genesis. It says, in the beginning was the word. God here calls himself the word. It says, in the beginning was the word, that that God was there, was the very words of God. And so before there was a Bible, 
uh, the Bible that you might be holding in your hands tonight. Uh, Pastor Mark, he's walking us through the New Testament before any of that existed was God, and God was the Word. He called himself the Word of God, and it says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if you want to get to know God, you got to take time to get to know your Bible. And I get it, the Bible can be really hard to get your head around. There's big chunks of the Bible that just don't make sense. And even the parts that do make sense, maybe you're just reading through it and it's not feeling like it's doing much inside of you. It's one of the reasons why we have our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, It's an opportunity to just hear the word of God preached in a very clear way. And uh, we've got Pastor Mark who's been walking us through the New Testament just in a very clear, just kind of reading through it, explaining what it says. And these are things that will change your life. The Bible at times I will admit, is difficult to understand. In just a few more verses in John chapter 1, it speaks of Jesus coming to the earth and the word becoming flesh, that in Jesus, not only do we have the word and the word spoken, but we've got the word becoming flesh, that Jesus actually came and dwelt among us so that we would have an example, that we would know how to live, that we'd know how to structure our lives. And so it says this in John chapter one, a little bit further ahead in verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became Jesus, that it was God in the flesh, the word of God coming and dwelling amongst humanity. And while Jesus was here, he had some things to say about the Bible. So tonight, we'll take a look at a couple of those verses where Jesus actually speaks of it. So the first place is just going a few more chapters ahead in John chapter 6, verse 63. It says this, says, the words I have spoken to you, these words, these words I have spoken to you, these these are more than just words. These aren't normal words, that there's something more actually going on. It says, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. When Jesus says, my words are full of the Spirit, It's an interesting little phrase because the English language doesn't really have the language to support that word that they use for spirits. There's not a great translation from it. This uh, New Testament section was written in Greek and the Greek word for that word spirit is the word pneuma and there's not a great English word for it so they put in the word spirit but the word pneuma, what it literally means is that which is breathed that it's the breath of God. So they didn't put that word breath in there because it wouldn't have made as much sense. They put in this word spirit, but it's capturing this idea that God's word comes with power. It comes with the power of the Holy Spirit, that it can transform your life, that when the word is spoken, whether it's preached on a Sunday, preached on a Wednesday, you're reading through it on your own, you're walking through it in a life group, whatever it is, that the word of God is powerful, that it carries the spirit with it, that it can transform your life. It's this word pneuma, that which is breathed. It's the breath of God is in these words. It's more than just what you read. The Bible is powerful. It's incredible. It's active. It's alive, right? One of the verses um, I grew up hearing over and over again, uh, actually I was on the phone with my mom as I was driving here, one of the words, the, the verses that my mom would read over and over and over again growing up 
is Hebrews 4 and uh, verse 12. I heard it all the time, and this verse still really shapes the way I approach scripture, and it's the way I think about scripture. And it says this in verse 12. It says, for the word of God, say this next word with me, is alive. The word of God is alive, that the Bible isn't a normal book. It's not just a collection of interesting stories, and some of the stories aren't all that interesting. It's not just a chronicle of history. It's more than that. It's not just a bunch of ideas of good ways of living, that the Bible is alive, that it's active, that it's the word of God. It says that it's alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. So the Bible is like going under the knife, that it's like surgery, that it's actually cutting out the stuff that isn't good, and it's healing you, that the Bible's got the ability to cut through like a sword, that it gets in there. It says that it uh, penetrates to eat to, uh, even to dividing soul and spirit. So basically, the Bible has this ability to carve inside of your life, and it'll mess with you. It'll mess with your attitudes. It'll mess with your emotions. The Bible will mess with your intellect. I mean, even think about finances. I promise you, the way that the world approaches finances will totally train wreck you, especially this day and age that we live in, where you think you got to have everything, and everything's in front of you, and there's commercials for everything, and you know, that's the way the world wants you to handle your finances, and there's, man, you can read through the Bible, and guys like Dave Ramsey have built entire organizations around teaching God's principles about how to handle your finances, that the Bible's got all these different ways where it'll mess with you, it'll mess how you approach your relationships. It'll mess how you approach those that you don't get along with. It'll, it'll mess with your life, how you raise your kids, how you spend your week, how you spend your time. The word of God will mess with you. It'll mess with your issues in life, the areas that you struggle with, your sin patterns, the areas that you tend to be bent away from God. The word of God will mess with you. And these words have transformational power that will allow the information that you're receiving to be turned into transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it goes on to say it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So just like we took time creating a desire to pray, my hope tonight is just to create a desire to get into God's word, to spend more time reading the Bible, that you would have a desire to get this inside of you, that just like that double-edged sword, that it starts dividing those things, that it would start dividing your life and that you would be transformed as a result, that you would allow God to speak to you through his word. So tonight, with the rest of our time, I wanna share three simple thoughts about how we can approach the Bible if we're going to experience its transformative power in our lives. So if you want the Bible to come alive to you, the first thing you're going to need is faith. Number one, you need faith. You need to believe that it is the word of God. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot, we live in a world that does not believe that the Bible is the word of God. You know, you turn on, we're coming up towards Easter, there's going to be all kinds of documentaries on the History Channel and all these things trying to disprove that the Bible is what it is. We believe in the Bible here at Celebration Church, amen? amen. And the Bible transforms you. So you got to approach it with belief. You got to approach it with faith. So we're going to talk a little bit about faith. So faith is what makes the Bible 
become alive. Faith is what makes the Bible become active in your life. And faith, the Bible says, is a gift. Faith, the Bible talks about being belief. Faith is what activates what you read. And faith is not having complete confidence. It's like looking through a glass dimly. If you got a dirty glass and you look through it, you don't have everything figured out. Faith isn't having everything figured out. It's having trust in the things that you do not see. It's faith. You know, little kids that believe in the Easter bunny or little kids that believe in Santa Claus. It's this idea of faith that it's something I don't see, that we don't see God and yet we have this gift of faith. It's a gift. And faith activates the things that you're reading. So we just read in Hebrews 4.12, it says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And earlier in the chapter, if you just go back several verses uh, to verse two, here's what it says. It says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. So basically there's these two groups of people. The word is being preached. There's a group that got it, and understood it, and there was also the word that was preached that another group didn't understand. It was a group that didn't have faith. Basically, I don't get it. It's not doing anything for me, or maybe I just don't believe it. Why? And they're asking these questions, and they just don't get it. And so it says this. It says, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith, in those that heard it. So basically, they didn't get it because they didn't mix in the key ingredients of faith. That if the Bible's going to transform you, the first thing you need to do is to approach it with faith. We've gotta have faith. That's the key ingredient, the Bible says, that you gotta mix in if it's going to work. So I try to think, what can you mix into things that make it amazing? And the most amazing thing I can think that you can mix into your food is gluten, am I right? <laughs> they might as well call gluten delicious because it's amazing, apparently, because if you take gluten out of anything, it tastes nasty. Can I get an amen, amen. from any man in the church? No. I know, some of you can't handle the whole gluten thing or whatever, that's fine. But I've tried to have gluten-free food and it, it, it's nasty, man. <laughs> gluten is what makes food delicious, I've discovered. Like, like MSG is what makes Chinese food amazing, am I right? <laughs> it stands for Mega Strength Gainer, MSG. You get strong, no? You don't believe me? They believe me in Stephen's point, I know they do. But it's, faith is like the gluten that makes food amazing. I'm kidding around, of course. Gluten's a big problem, right? Uh, while I was putting this together, I was eating Oreos. There's another example for you if you can't handle the gluten thing. It's the double stuffing, right? You take the double stuffing out of the Oreo and you just got a nasty little cracker, right? You got to be double stuffed. I, was, uh, I had the red velvet ones. Oh, they're amazing. Man, diet. The fasting went out the window from 21 days. It's red velvet Oreo time, amen? Faith, faith is like that with the Bible. It's the stuffing to the Oreo. It's the gluten to the food or whatever example it is that you want to come up with. That's faith. Without it, 
the word of God just does not work. You've got to approach it with faith. So the first thing that will activate the Bible in your life to make it come alive is faith. And then the question is, well, well, how do you build your faith? And so the thing that will activate your faith is number two, revelation. Uh, Pastor Ed Gunger, he preached here a couple weeks ago, and he talked about the idea of epiphany. It's actually the season that the church is in right now. If you look at a church calendar, it'll say we're in this season of epiphany, and epiphany is this idea of having that aha moment, right? And uh, maybe you've had that reading a book. We just got, went on a vacation, and my wife read like 12 books. I didn't read any books on vacation. That's my, not my idea of vacation. Uh, but she read a lot of books, and when you're reading a book, how many of you know you have some aha moments as you're going through it, right? All of a sudden, these things that didn't make sense all of a sudden start coming alive. It's the idea of revelation. It's the idea of epiphany. It's that aha moment where things begin to come alive. So that aha moment, that revelation is the thing that will build your faith. Uh, if you're someone that's read the Bible a lot, you've probably had some of those aha moments where you're reading over that same passage of scripture over and over and over again and all of a sudden the light bulbs go off and something begins to make sense with what you're reading. Uh, maybe you've taken that thing that you've read and it came so alive that you had to post a picture of it on Facebook or something like that, right? Where something just came alive to you. It's called revelation. And revelation is the thing that will build your faith. When you have that happen more often in your life, it'll build your faith. So this is why you should come to church often, to hear the word preached, because it happens during the spoken word, where the Bible is being taught and is being prophesied and things happen. And man, I might be preaching one sermon and you're hearing a totally different one, that God is messing with you. That's called revelation, and that will build your faith. It happens on Sundays, it happens on Wednesdays, where you hear the word preach. It's great to get your kids connected into the, the children's and youth programs, to have opportunities where they can grow in your faith. So there's a story uh, in the New Testament, we're all familiar with it, where an angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to conceive. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to give birth to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I think most women, if they had a voice talking to them saying they're going to get pregnant and they're a virgin and it's going to be God, we'll probably wonder if they had a little too much gluten to eat the night before, right? <laughs> a little too much pizza. And, uh, you know, so, so this angel speaks, and that's kind of how Mary responds. So let's take a look at it. Luke chapter 1, verse 34, she says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel. So here we see Mary hears what is said, but like you and me, probably, she just didn't get it. It's like reading through the Bible and you just don't get it. So she hears what's said. She doesn't get it. She questions it. And that's exactly where so many people just get stopped with their faith right there. Uh, they, they hear something preached, or they read through something, or something doesn't make sense, or they, he they heard something about if you follow this little formula in life, everything's going to work out, or whatever it is, and it didn't work out, and they lose faith, and they begin to question and to say why. A lot of people get hung up right there. They question it. So that's Mary. She's kind of at the spot where she's saying, how can this be, Mary asked in verse 34, since I am a virgin? It's impossible. What you're saying is totally impossible. No way this can happen. 
So then the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. And somehow in that moment, Mary has her aha moment. She has revelation in that moment. The word of God is being revealed in her life. So skip ahead to verse 37. If you would, verse 37. It says, for no word from God will ever fail. That word, word, right there is the idea of revelation. That uh, in the Bible, you've got really two words for the word, word. Uh, One of those words is logos. It's just the idea of understanding and getting it. Uh, There's another word for the word, word, and it's the idea of revelation. That's what that word is right there. It's Mary got a revelation of the word that was spoken. Something became alive to her. And in that moment of that aha moment, it comes alive. And that's a great word for you today. That word, that no word from God will ever fail. No revelation from God will ever fail. So you need to get a revelation of what's inside the scriptures. It goes on to say, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And at that time, The word became alive, it changes her, Mary becomes pregnant, and then the angel left her. So how do you get the Bible to come alive? How do you have this experience of revelation? So you you approach it with faith, maybe it's a very limited amount of faith, Uh, maybe you don't quite understand what's inside of it, and how do you get from that spot to where you're experiencing revelation? So that next question that would lead us to ask is how do you experience revelation in your life? How do you get some revelation? So one of the best ways that you can get revelation from the word of God is number three. The third way to approach the Bible is meditation. Meditating on God's word will help you get revelation, and that will lead to activating your faith. It will grow your faith so that you can experience more and more of God, that the word of God becomes more and more alive. Remember that verse in Roman or Hebrews chapter four, verse two, where this is the two groups of people. One group of people approached it and they didn't understand. They didn't mix in the key ingredient of faith. The other group approached it with faith mixed in. They had the right key ingredients. The Bible is the way it comes alive is to meditate on the Bible. And meditating, it's this idea that a lot of us, because we're from the great state of Wisconsin, we get very well, and it's the idea of cows chewing cud. Has anyone seen a cow chew cud? It's nasty, right? So you get a cow, and they go over, and they get a bunch of grass, and they put it in their mouth, and they chew on it. What do they do? They swallow it. What happens next? They throw it up in their own mouth and they chew and get some more ingredients out of that cud and then they swallow it and they do it again, right? That's that idea of meditation and it's actually the word picture that you have in the Bible is like chewing on it like a cow chews on its own cud, that you chew on it over and over and over again. It's part of why we love life groups. It's the opportunity to get together with other people in the church and to chew on God's word together, 
to rub off on each other, to encourage one another. It's why we love the Wednesday night Bible study. It's why it's great to get your kids connected in these different programs to regularly get a diet of getting God's word inside of you. Uh, It doesn't need to be a solo enterprise, but you should have opportunities where you are connecting in with God's words. You gotta get the Bible inside of you and meditate on it. Um, With our uh, 21 days of prayer, uh, Ed Gunger, he did this little section uh, where we learned uh, this kind of other way of approaching uh, prayer called the daily office. And uh, some of you were able to join us for that. And it was kind of a cool approach. And so uh, I, I, I jumped in and started doing that. And actually, it, so it's, it goes through uh, every day, some scripture, some prayer, uh, these different things and different areas of life that you're praying into. It's kind of neat. And so this morning, actually, my reading played right into today's message. So it's kind of cool how that uh, came today. And it's uh, the, the reading I had out of Psalms was Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119 like repeats itself over and over again. Uh, but the section that, that they gave me was starting in verse 97. So it's got a lot of verses in Psalm chapter 119. So let's take a look at it. Psalm 119 verses, verse 97. It says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me. They make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers. It doesn't take a lot to have more insight than me, just because I'm teaching tonight. Um, <coughs> it says, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I may obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. That the word of God is that thing that helps you know how to walk. It's the thing that illuminates your path. It shows you how to live. It gives you wisdom. It gives you insight. It gives you understanding that it transforms your life. And it started off with that word of I meditate on it. I meditate on it day and night. That you find opportunities to get God's word inside of you. So it's creating the habit of continuing to get God's word to to stir around your brain, to get inside of you, giving that opportunity for that knife to get in there and do that surgery in your life. Joshua uh, chapter one, verse seven, says this. It says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Don't turn to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go, that the word of God will help you to be successful. It'll keep your, your, it illuminates your path so you know which way to go. It keeps you oriented in the right way in life. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. And there's that word again. It says meditate. Meditate is that word like ruminate. It's like the cow chewing the cud that it's turning around over and over again. It says meditate on it 
day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then, that verse gives us the most amazing, the most incredible, the, the, the greatest promise. One of the thing that you can just, man, if you remember this verse, this thing will transform your life. This verse that it says next is awesome. It says, when you do it, <coughs> then you'll be prosperous. You'll be successful. How many could use a little bit of prosper, a little bit of success taking place in your life? And that's really what we want for you. We want you to live lives that are prosperous and successful. Now, does that mean you won't have any problems? No, it means you will still have problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have problems, right? Like, I went on a vacation. That's why I got such a lovely tan. Um, The day before I left to go on vacation, uh, my son Jude wanted me to ride his hoverboard. Have you guys seen these hoverboards? Um, I'm almost 40 years old. I turned 40 in a few months, and apparently you're not supposed to ride on hoverboards when you're over 39, right? So I get on my son's hoverboard, and he's wanting me to run over pennies, so I'm doing all these tricks, and I'm, you know, I've got good balance on it. I've got it figured out, and so I'm cruising around, and I'm running over the penny, and then Jude said, well, let's see if you can do this trick. So I'm doing that trick, and then I wanted a cup of coffee. I love to drink coffee in the morning, so I'm going to go get my cup of coffee, and so I'm going to make my way into the kitchen now. Frankly, I blame Jude for this whole deal. <clears throat> but I, I'm uh, going into the kitchen, <coughs> and there's this transition from our dining room to the kitchen. It goes up a little bit, and so uh, I've gone up on this transition before, so I come up to it, and I used to go up to it real slow, and I'd get on the hoverboard, and I'd go up the, the ramp, like, really slow, and get up into the kitchen, get my cup of coffee, and I'm cruising. I don't have to walk anymore. This is awesome, right? I'm on a hoverboard. I can just float around the house, and all the neighbors think I'm levitating, right? It's great. <laughs> So I'm on the hoverboard, I get up to my little ledge, and now I'm getting pretty good at this thing. I can spin, I can go in circles, all this stuff. And so I thought, surely I can just approach this ramp at a faster speed. So I get up to it, and I'm going, but I kind of slow down a little bit. And so I get up to it, and the wheels just stick, because it couldn't handle like my weight differential is probably uh, levers or whatever. You know, you could probably do some math formulas, Matt, and figure this out, right? So I get up to it, and, and the whole thing just freezes. And so my body falls forward. Well, if you're thinking about hoverboards, that increases the speed. So I lean forward, about to fall off, and the, the hoverboard shoots off like a rocket at full speed. Now it jumps the ramp, and it takes my feet and kicks them forward, and I go flying back. Now, my wife broke her wrist just a couple weeks earlier falling backwards, so I'm smart. So I tuck, you know, like a good quarterback. So I tuck my arm, and I fall, and I hit the ground, and I hit my shoulder, hit my hip, but my foot kicks the tar out of something. I have no idea what, and I break my big toe. And, I, and I, now I got to go on vacation, right? So I got to wear a boot, and I hate medical boots, you know? These things look terrible. So, um, so I figured out you can wear Birkenstocks with a back strap. So if you wear, break your big toe, go to Birkenstock with a back strap, you'll be fine. Now, life happens. 
toes break, wrists break, uh, maybe you go broke, maybe you lose your job. This verse is not saying that life is not going to throw some hand grenades at you because it will. Life does not always go the way, way you think it thought it should go. Life still happens. But the Bible will teach you to approach the things that you think shouldn't have happened in the right way. Like Paul talks about this idea of I've learned the secret about being content in every in any situation, well, whether I'm well-fed or I'm starving, whether I've got all I need or I'm broke, whether I'm free or I'm in prison, I've learned the secret and I can be content. That those kinds of thoughts will transform your life. The word of God will change you. It'll change everything, whether things are great or whether they're bad. It doesn't define us, right? That we can live life a different way. I want to close tonight uh, reading a little verse here from uh, Matthew. This is Jesus talking again. And I'll close with this because it's such a great thought about how we approach the Word of God. And I'll read it out of the message translation. It's a paraphrase, but I love the way it says it. And, uh, And hopefully this is helpful to you here tonight. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, out of the message translation, it says, these words I speak are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living, right? I'm a homeowner. I do some little improvements from time to time that upgrade my standard of living, uh, like fixing broke dryers or you know, uh, getting my new garbage disposal in, things like that. But the word of God, the Bible says, is more than installing a new chandelier. It's more than getting a fresh coat of paint on your house. It's more than fixing your garbage disposal or your dryer. It's more than that. That The word of God is not a simple little addition to your life. It says this. It says, these are foundational words to build your life on. That the word of God is not dressing on your house. Rather, it's the foundation. If you want a strong house, if you want a strong life, you've got to have a strong foundation, right? My house that I live in, I live in the old part of town. My house was built like before dinosaurs roamed the face of the earth. It's an old house, and they built those old houses so that you could land a, a jet airplane on top of them, man. They built those, those houses, had strong foundations, right? And that's how my house was built. It was built to last. It's an old fortress of a house. And it's got a strong foundation that can withstand the storms. Because storms in life will come. So it says, these are foundational words. Words to build a life on. So if you want to build a good life, build them on these words. If you want a good foundation, if you want a strong foundation, get the word of God in you. Not just as dressing. Build your life upon it. It says, if you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on the solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. That's the kind of house you want. 
that even though the rain comes, even though the earth shakes, even though a tornado may hit it, that you don't go collapsing like a deck of cards because life is going to happen. It says, it was fixed to the rock. It says, but, it contrasted, it says, but if you just use my words in Bible studies... And don't work them into your life. So if you just come to the Bible study, you hear the word preached, oh, isn't that nice? That would make a nice window dressing. I can fix my little garbage disposal with that or whatever it is. It says don't treat the word of God like that. It's not just this little tiny thing to fix you. Rather, this is what you build your life on. So in verse 26, if you pull that back up, it says, but if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. Also, while I was uh, getting ready for this, me and my youngest son Jude were watching uh, music videos on YouTube, and there was a song that said stupid, and he said it was, there was a bad word. I wasn't sure which word it was, but uh, apparently stupid's a bad word to a five-year-old, right? So, uh, but the Bible says stupid. <laughs> it says don't be a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in, the waves came up and it collapsed like a house of cards. The word of God is the foundation of your life. If you want to have a great life, build your life on the foundation of the word of God. So we kicked off 2018. We talked about the idea of prayer, getting that into your life, putting God first, talking to God, connecting with God, Talking about the stuff of your life, prayer transforms, it changes things, it'll change our world, it'll change our cities, it'll change our church, prayer changes things, and the way you hear from God, one of the primary ways you hear from God is through his word. So read the Bible and get it in you. So the three things that'll help you approach the word in the right way is number one, faith, number two, revelation, And number three, meditation. And it kind of works backwards, right? Because the more you meditate on it, the more God's word comes alive. The more things get revealed, the more epiphanies, the more revelations you will happen, will happen. And then those things are what build your faith. And then it just keeps on working in a circle. It all works together. So I'll close us uh, in prayer. Uh, just a reminder at all of our campuses, uh, if you would like to be part of the crew bringing soup, uh, like for example, in Green Bay, uh, we expect a decent number of people, so we'd like a lot of you to sign up. That'd be awesome. And I know at all of our campuses, it just kind of works in uh, ratios, so you guys will have it too. So hopefully you sign up, participate with us, join with us, and uh, we hope to see you Ash Wednesday. And then the six weeks of the Lent studies start the week after Wednesday, and uh, we'll do soup and bread each of those evenings as we fast. We'll break it together here on Wednesday nights uh, each week, and it'll be awesome. So let me uh, close in prayer. You can sign up at all of our campuses uh, uh, here in Green Bay. I know it's out in the lobby on that computer, and it's sign up genius. It's a helpful way to do it, and wherever you're at at your campuses, uh, your campus pastors can help you figure that out. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word. Lord, I pray that we would be people that 
We'll just approach it with this idea of faith. God, we thank you that your word is alive, it's active, it's sharp, it divides, it does surgery in our lives, it reorients us. God, we thank you for what your word does to us, how it affects us, God. We give you thanks for that. And uh, God, I pray that you would just help us. I pray that, that, that tonight would even build a little bit of that desire to meditate on it. That, it, that the Bible wouldn't be something that we just use as simple little repairs on our house, God, but it would be what we build our lives upon, that we would have a strong foundation, that we would meditate on your word, that when we do, Lord, that it'll come alive and that your revelation, God, will always come to pass in our lives and that it'll build our faith. God, we thank you for what you're doing here tonight uh, at all of our campuses. We give you praise. Jesus, and uh, thank you for our time together. In your name I pray, amen. All right, campuses, we will see you later. Bye. Uh, Our kids, they don't get done for another 15 minutes, so thanks for joining with us. You can hang, chill, drink some coffee. Good to see you tonight.